My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 90th episode of Space Spinner 2000, uh, <laughs> a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for December 1982, progs 293 to 296. This week... Judge Dredd catches the executioner, Robo Hunter sings a song, and we start our first Time Twister stories. Yay! Kind, I mean, kind of. Not bad. I'm pretty excited for Time Twisters. Um, the best, the, the best are still to come for these ones for sure. But let's get started musically with Through One Robo Hunter. And in three part harmony. <laughs> uh, script robot for, for Robo Hunter is Alan Grant and John Wagner is TB Grover. Um, art robot Ian Gibson, letting robot Steve Potter. Oh man, we are in the throes of a, of a really intense national decree. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So Sam has been summoned to number ten by Iron Aggie. As he makes his way there, everyone's singing in the streets because it is National Song Year. Uh, Hoagie and Sam start singing to the tune of Oh What a Beautiful Morning and soon the whole area picks it up it doesn't quite scan right to me like I do a lot of like I'll get a YouTube version of the song and like try to sing along to it and this one doesn't work quite right um, to me but whatever (laughs) it definitely feels sort of Disney-esque he's like walking along not the one singing but everyone's like hey we're singing and talking at you this thing is just full musical thing where one person starts a song and by the second verse everybody in the immediate area is singing along basically (laughs) it it definitely makes the city come to life in a way that's probably a nightmare for (laughs) so eventually Sam meets with Aggie she asks Sam to investigate the Human League a bunch of vigilantes that, that are destroying robots uh, Sam says he agrees with them, which causes yeah. which causes Aggie to break out into a pro robot song to the tune of um, of my favorite things. You know, oh my god! So plumbers, mechanics, policemen, and judges, butlers and bishops, and cleaners and drudges, milk droids and cabbies, and train drivers too. These are the robots who live to serve you. Uh, after when your trains block, when your brakes fail, when your soul is blue. <laughs> So she asks Sam again to take the case, and he's still mulling it over when Aggie calls in Sir Oswald Modroid, who is very clearly a robot version of Sir Oswald Mosley, who was a British politician who was really sympathetic to fascism in the run-up to World War II. Like there's a bunch of there's a bunch of pictures of him like hanging out with like Mussolini and stuff. And so it's very much just like the equivalent of a character. Of having like an American robot guy be like Nixon or like Bull Connor or something like that, you know? I like the way that this works because she's like, let me sing some nice shit to you. Then let me call in the fascists to kind of absolutely give you the ultimatum. Yeah. It's basically, it's basically like, like having a guy be Oswald Mosley is basically saying like, hey, here's the bad guy, just so you know. <laughs> So he sings something to the to the to the tune of the Toriador uh, song from Carmen, and he and Aggie explain that they need a human to infiltrate the Human League and find their high-ranking members. And also, uh, Oswald Hap or Oz, Oz, uh, 
Oswald has Sam's passport, and if he doesn't take the job, he'll maybe send him back to America or just to jail. He's got 24 hours to think it over. <laughs> On the street, Sam is reminded of the planet Virtus, you know, with the, uh, the first Robo Hunter story. Hopefully, he won't kill everybody involved this time. <laughs> <laughs> you mean an entire planet of robots? Yeah, and, and human prisoners, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> so, as he does this, another massive song breaks out, this time to uh, the, the tune of the Lambeth Walk from Me and My Girl, which was ironically a song that was used to insult um, the original Oswald Mosley's buddy Hitler. Um, oh. he, human robot, hand in hand, linking arms across the land, Taff and Mick and Jock doing the Britsit walk. Uh, so. And a lot of people get cracking on this. <laughs> Definitely. Like, Everything is cool, though. Everything is cool, Fox, until the Human League attacks! And then it's like a uh, Sharks versus the Jets situation. They're like the bad bad dudes in the Disney thing, and they've got their own chorus to sing. Totally, yeah. That's where shit gets real awesome. And and disturbingly, their, like, murder song is to the tune of the Teddy Bear's Picnic, you know? So, if you go out in the streets today, you better not be a droid, because if you are, for certain by far, you're going to be destroyed. Um, I'm super bummed that they didn't do it to the tune of, like, Don't You Want Me or something, you know? Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> because that's a song. Those are that's a song by the actual Human League, the band, buddy. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> Anyhow, bad times for Hoagie as the Human League approaches Sam and Hoagie. Oh, well, they like mallet a droid to death. Absolutely. Yeah, the Human League continues its assault. It's attacking robots to the tune also of a cousin Kevin from Tommy. Um, and the robots lament their fate to the tune of Barbara Ann. They're calling them Barbarians. Uh, <laughs> a few of the leaguers corner Hoagie and Sam steps in. Um, the only one who destroys Hoagie is him. Yeah, come on, guys. Don't the, touch my dumbass robot. Yeah, the leaguers respond by kicking the crap out of Sam, um, at least until the RoboCop show up and they sing a song to the tune of Onward Christian Soldiers. And the two songs, Onward Christian Soldiers and the Teddy Bear's Picnic, like, mix together as the melee uh, continues. <laughs> and eventually uh, Sam comes to and finds Hoagie destroyed! Holy Joe Smith! <laughs> oh, God. He's real crushed up. It's uh, It's... Kind of gruesome. What with his eyeball? Yeah, his, like, God, yeah. yeah, his eyes are get an eye out of his head. He's like all over the place, like literally. <laughs> uh, Sam gathers up the pieces of Hoagie in a dustbin and starts welding them back together at his at, at the hotel. Um, oh God! As the hotel detective and uh, Stogie sing a lament for Hoagie to the tune of uh, Shaboom, you know, Shaboom, Shaboom. Exactly. Sam manages to fix Hoagie. Hoagie, and Hoagie wakes up insufferably super smart. Oh, man. Uh, God, like, it, oh, it was a, a little intense at first just because, like, awareness returns. You have earned my undying gratitude, Samuel. It's like, oh. It's like that. Uh, I, I never thought I'd say this, but, like, original Hoagie at least. <laughs> at least he had character. Asshole. Yeah, that's a. Yeah. Uh, that's Sam's general thought as well. It really reminds me of that one episode of uh, of News Radio where uh, Andy Dick like gets super smart and like explains the Cold War as as Star Wars to one of the other guys. I don't know. Um, <laughs> the the upside to this, however, is that uh, 
or I guess downside if you're the human league, uh, <laughs> is that you just pissed off Sam Slade so much that he breaks into song. That's right, to the tune of the Wanderer. And Which now is great. So into that. Uh-huh. Now he's coming for the human league, and they're gonna get slayed. Or get slayed, oh get slayed, get slayed, get slayed, get slayed. <laughs> Next time. He's slamming Sammy Slade. He's <laughs> whamming, blamming Slade. <laughs> Next time, Sam's Planet Sweet. Yeah. This is, I, I really like, this musical stuff is really fully realized, and I think it's really awesome just as a random thing to do in a comic, you know? Like, literally, my one complaint is that I wish that the Human League had a song by the Human League. Otherwise, yes. otherwise, mwah! Uh, this is lovely. <laughs> love the human league uh it, actually i wonder because they're when did they start making music right now yeah, this man. is right yeah. at the height of human league's popularity like the name of the group is definitely a reference to the band um right. is it in the top charts that we played the human absolutely league? yeah we had don't you want me i think at the yeah. end of uh, 81 yeah great man the Human League invented all light in the universe. I mean, it's funny because there's actually, like, later there's going to be a song that the Human League sings. It's about how they lost their jo- how the humans lost their jobs and stuff. And, like, the fact that it's not like, uh, like, I was working as a waiter at a cocktail bar. You know, it's like... We're it's just bad, It's just a missed opportunity. Lots of singing this episode, guys. We're, we're oh, done with it man. now, though. <laughs> so great. Instead, now that we've down, sung... Down. Sorry, all right, I'm done. Now we've sung our songs, it's time to get high, Fox, with Thrill 2, Harry 20 on the high rock. Man, there's some... God, I love this fucking Yeah, man. Script robot Jerry Findlay Day, art robot Alan Davis, letting robot Tony Jacob. So... Oh man, we're here in space prison. Harry 20, trapped in the space prison, the High Rock, along with his cellmates, Genghis 18, and Ben 90. He's planning to escape. We're gonna uh, great escape the F out of here. That's the right. Spaceship that we built. That's, yeah, man. Uh, Harry and Genghis are taken to a, uh, to a recreation area full of scrap metal and tools. Oh um, man, and then Fox is like, second favorite character in this show <laughs> yeah there, there's all the stuff there that they could need to build a spaceship to escape but he's warned off of one area by Swede 16 so great <laughs> this stuff Swede 16 stuff you leave it you savvy so great He's uh, got beautiful hair and the most amazing mustache. High quality. You know, I must spend all of his time in prison just mustache growing. I could I could see that. I do that a little bit. Um at mealtime, Ben 90 says there's plenty of cloth in the laundry for a parachute. Uh Harry has worked out a plan in his cell as Ben observes a ship carrying fresh guards arriving at the uh, at the prison and then taking old guards down for R&R. And apparently this is going to include Pusser, who has been giving, uh, you know, has been real mean to Genghis and kind of gives him something to remember him by, a beating. Oh, man. Well, and it's because I, I didn't mention this in uh, Robo Hunter, but damn, there's a lot of, like, Chinese hate going on in this comic right now. Yeah, especially in, uh, especially in uh, like, from Pusser to, uh, to Genghis. It's oh, like, you know, yeah. a lot of stuff. But whatever. I mean, you know, well, I mean, I mean especially, especially for Pusser, it's like, you know, man, he's an evil dude. Like, what do you, you know, it'd be weird if he wasn't racist. <laughs> if he wasn't, like, angry and stuff. Um, down. But, uh, yeah. so, I guess everyone is taken to the same area where 
the switch out is happening. It seems like it. It's it's yeah. It's back in the yeah. It it's in the rec area and everybody's there. Um. So at this point, Swede sixteen and a buddy pull homemade blasters out of the out of the metal scrap area and they blast one of those slugs. Oh, get out of here! I said. Speed say freeze. <laughs> he is dead <laughs> like their cucumber. That's right. They uh, they put the oldest trick in the book into action. Uh, putting on your enemy's uniforms to sneak around. <laughs> so and, and then they knock him out. Yeah, right they in front of all these dudes. And they're like, they, "We're getting out of here." And yeah. like, <laughs> everybody's real stoked that somebody's getting off this damn space prison. Oh yeah, man. Uh, the plan seems to work as Sweden and his cellmate go aboard the ship and are even taken to the VIP observation cabin. Oh, hey, why not? There's yeah. nothing weird about this situation. Totally. For a setup to happen later. <laughs> Back in the rock, Genghis and the other and the other numbers want to kick the crap out of the unconscious guard guards, oh, but Harry like stops kill? them. Yeah, I mean, kick the crap out of them, kill them while they're unconscious, whatever. Harry stops them because attacking these guys would make them as bad as the guards. And it's pro- like pirate rock horse. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Everybody's there because they're because they like did crimes and stuff, <laughs> you know. <laughs> really? <laughs> like I, like most of us are murderers, buddy. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> But it honestly, it's probably a good thing because suddenly Chief Thrower shows up and directs the numbers to the view screens. There, incredibly evil Warden Worldwise reveals that he knows about the escape because of voice prints that don't match up. And he forces the numbers to watch as the pod that Swede and his buddy is in is ejected from the ship and burns up on re-entry. There's no escape from the High Rock! <laughs> all all projected from a television view screen where he is shadowed just enough to look 100% evil. Worldwise has the has the uh, has the lighting set up in his office just to be as evil as possible. Dude, he's got the evil button pressed, you know. Oh man. <laughs> he knows how theatrics affect people's mental state. So. Man, he knows what he's doing absolutely. Uh, the numbers go back to their cells and Genghis apologizes for threatening Harry. It's cool, man. They're uh, BFFs. They're uh, they are BPFFs, best prison friends forever. And they're getting <laughs> off this rock. <laughs> Hey, man. It's real so, cute. They've got a blossoming thing going on Totally. Here. So six months pass as the trio work on their spaceship. And it would have really been cool to see some of those, but I guess whatever. <laughs> now, what, that's fine. Soon it's nearly complete, but they still need fuel, and it's pretty hard to find, like, uh, spaceship fuel just lying around the hard rock. But Harry yeah, gets... <laughs> Yeah, Harry gets an idea when Genghis kicks the wall to get rid of eavesdropping 21 Toady. <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, once again, the uh, D&D-esque abilities of the party come into play. So, the leader is discussing the plans that they're going to have. And then, of course, uh, old Ben is like, oh, using my powers that I described before we ever needed them. My yeah, super hearing. to understand footsteps and who <laughs> they are. There's this guy over at this wall, and then your barbarian just kicks the wall and cranks him in the face. Totally. Yeah, a week later, Harry and Genghis grab Toadie, who's on vacuum duty, and basically start hazing him on some gym equipment. Uh, Harry grabs Toadie's vacuum, and with some padding and some synth grease, he's a dead ringer for the rat uh, prisoner. 
definitely looks like a toad. Yeah. There's some good, really high-tension stuff as the disguised oh, yeah. Harry makes his way to the fuel store, and the guard stops him just to yell at him and treat and treats him crappy. Um, soon, though, he's at the spot and has to get past the final guards to get the, uh, p- the, the fuel. Can he solid snake his way in by, I guess, making his belt messy? Yeah. The disguised Harry makes his way to the fuel dump. He spills hydraulic fluid on the guard watching the door, which uh, both gets rid of the guard and lets Harry steal the guard's key to the fuel dump as he promises to, like, clean the guy's belt, basically. Um, and hey, Toadie's trustworthy. Yeah. Harry snags the fuel and makes good his escape. As far as the lift, at least, where two guards and Big Red One come aboard. Oh, this is so awesome. Harry's getting nervous. His hair grease is starting to run because he's sweating and stuff. And Red seems to notice this, but he starts attacking the guards. Hey, whoa, why is he helping me out? I mean, don't look a gift horse in the mouth or whatever. Yeah, the slugs swarm red and Harry scrams back to the gym where they release Toadie in time to hide the fuel before the rest of the guards show up. Later, on punishment duty, Harry and Genghis stash the fuel in the blind spot outside the satellite. Their plan is going great, but what's that big red one up to? Next time, Magnifico 7 goes loco. Perfect fucking cliffhanger, man. I love Harry and the High Rock. It's good, buddy. Oh, man. It's real good. It's real good prison escape shenanigans. Now I know what this red guy's up to, and he did a sneaking around. Mm-hmm. It's great. Man, I can't wait for us to get to the twist for this story, Fox. Ah, oh. you're oh, gonna man. You're going to go nuts when we get to this twist. <laughs> Oh man, I'm gonna shit my pants. I'm so excited about I can't, this, man. I, I'm pretty sure about it. <laughs> oh. But hey, speaking of uh, dudes doing crimes, Fox, it's <laughs> hey, it's not just dudes doing yeah. crimes. Oh, fair point. Thrill three, Judge Dread. I love the opening of this. The poll is amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as T.B. Grover. Uh, art robot Carlos Escara and Ron Smith. Letting robots Tom Frame and Jack Potter. Hey, Conrad, what's Snork? I don't know, but I will say <laughs> this. Citizen <laughs> Snork! Which will, is, is a joke we'll get later on. <laughs> okay, well, there we go. Yeah. The executioner, a female vigilante killing top criminals, is running amok in MC1 uh, and getting a lot of popular support. 95% of the people support her, uh, and 97% don't know if they prefer Snork to Butter. <laughs> I mean, honestly... I, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, I like we're both in that 97%. I, yeah. I like Butter, but I haven't tried Snork. It's true. Uh, any uh, Citizen Snork is a later Judge Dredd story, but I don't think it's referred to here. But man, when that big-nosed dude shows up. Anyhow, um, Dredd is interrogating Judge DeGaulle who is a lady ju- a blonde lady judge that does kind of look like the executioner, I must say. She passes the lie detector. Oh, go, what, what was that, Fox? I said she's got great facial bone structure. Absolutely. Yeah, she passes the lie detector, though, and is let go. Yes, hard feelings. Um. Yeah. Like, oh, it was, their exchange was so great. Sorry, DeGaulle. Had to be sure. Yeah, I know. I'd have done the same to you. And if I ever get the chance, I will. She will get that chance in 1987. Oh, my God. Remember all the 
the things. <laughs> so, uh, Dread is called out to a possible executioner killing, but it's just some low-level hoods, um, and, and then killed by a guy, by a man with a misspelled note, uh, justice with an S and done with a U. <laughs> He's got a big E on his chest for a reason. Like yeah. I- yeah, and yeah, this is definitely a copycat, you know, as happens when v- vigilantes start up, you know. Meanwhile, the real executioner goes to visit um, a home for the semi-dead, which was like a cryo-freeze kind of place, and that, that are often fronts for uh, for 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 uh, body runners, which are like guys that sort of like will will give you a loan and um, or for body sharks, I should say. Um, yeah, we've who, seen these guys. Before. Yeah, they were in the mega city rackets. Yeah, in the mega rackets. Yeah, they it, they're basically loan sharks, and they take like your loved one as, as collateral and like put them on ice, essentially. Yeah. So the executioner comes in. She asks about her husband, Nicholas Tatum, and then blasts the desk attendant. She makes her way to the office and attacks the owner, Rafael Chivo. Apparently, her husband killed himself, but pressure from these guys led him to do so. Oh, and now he's going to get gas? Yeah, she forces him to one of his own cryo-freeze chamber and locks him in. And so with no... Preview, uh, prior preparation, the uh, exposure to like liquid nitrogen and stuff like kills him basically. Yeah, he doesn't get to turn into a cool soup monster Mm-mm. like that one Terminator guy. <laughs> I mean, you gotta be like a term. You gotta be like a liquid metal dude to do that. Um, but she leaves a Justice's Done note on the outside of the uh, of the shelf that she puts him in, and on the body of the front desk guy. Um, again, great artwork um, okay. here from Ascara as the executioner like. F- Fights Raphael. There's a lot of neat stuff done yeah. with like the panels and things like that. A lot of like different shaped like uh, oval and like circular panels and stuff that really like make the action flow really well. I think he loves his uh, his rounded edges, which is just this beautiful mascara thing. Definitely makes it feel very like future. future yeah, bubbly. I agree. Yeah, he does that in in Strong Team Dog too, and I think it's a cool, yeah. distinctive look. It, it, it it's it's great for action, I think. But so at Recyc, we see the executioner and her kids at the funeral for their uh, husband and father. You know, as Dread checks out the newly murdered body sharks. So I love the eulogy. Nicholas Tatum was a useful citizen as he was useful in life. So let him be useful in death. Oh my god, body recycling. It's a hard life in Mega City 1, buddy. <laughs> Jesus. While Dredd's investigating the body sharks, one of the judges has a rookie judge with him, and that gives Dredd an idea. He's been looking at female judges, but failed rookies would have almost the same amount of trainings to be a professional killer like the uh, uh, executioner is. Oh man, of course, rookies. Yeah, he does the search, and it's confirmed. Blanche Tatum Nikominsky fits the description, and her husband recently killed himself because he was in too deep the loan operation. So, like, they've got this crime computer, and they know all of the people who have been killed. Like, I mean, there's people who are connected to all these people, you know? Mm-hmm. Seems like sort of surprising she didn't turn up until now, but... I feel like it's one of these... Pacing. Yeah, I think one, of course, you know, this isn't real, it didn't happen, it's a story. But also, yeah. um, 
<laughs> I think <laughs> also uh, they um, in the after. I feel like in the aftermath of one of these wars or another, there are some limits for predictive artificial intelligence mm-hmm. in um, the uh, ju- you know in the Mega City One computers. I mean, keep in mind, you know, I mean, not actually really, but you know, if, if we want to imagine this as being a world that also had like uh, the ABC Warriors and other sort of like um, rebellious robot factions, I could mm-hmm. see there the central crime computer being one of these computers where like you know it only makes connections if you ask it to make those connections as opposed to sort of doing work on its own you know what i mean that's pretty fair that's my that's my no prize answer for it anyhow (laughs) i give it a blue ribbon all right answer yeah (laughs) outside recycle blanche sends her kids to their grandmother and or to their grandmother and begins her final job soon man they are real sad about her leaving i Uh, mean because this is a death walk. I mean, well, especially because like they're going from their father's funeral to their mother abandoning them, essentially, you know. Um, yeah, real good momming. By the I way. mean, she's mom in her own way, buddy. With by well, you know the the mom murders. That's the important thing. <laughs> um, soon the judges have found the Tatum kids, but Blanche is on the loose. Dread finds the final victim, uh, Dutch Sagan, and heads out to stop the executioner as she herself arrives at Sagan's apartment or like and, business thing. And she's doing some sweet dodge rolls and mm-hmm. shots. Man, oh man, she's she's yeah. gonna kill this guy real good. The judges converge on her as she chases Sagan and eventually corners and kills him. She comes out and draws her gun on Dread, who shoots her down. In the end, it's revealed that her gun was unloaded, and the final recipient of a Justice's Done note is the executioner herself. Oh my God, she made uh, it all along. I guess is, she got what she wanted. That's right. I I uh I love this story. I think it's really great. Um, it's real sad the way it's told. And yeah, and just you know, it's another one of these uh, bummer dread stories. We 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 we've we've had a couple of these. I think, like you know, to the extent if you want to see um the apocalypse wars being kind of a bummer. Um, I'm, I'm thinking like fungus, for instance, where it basically oh, just God. ended with a bunch of people just ha- being killed, essentially, like fungus with no cure and stuff. And super sad. Yeah, there's a bunch of these, and I think they're cool just because um. You know, again, it just sort of talks about like some some of the bleakness of of, of Mega City One, and just sort of telling interesting stories. Um, in, in the Executioner's case, especially, sort of that aren't centrally about dread, that are more about like the people living in Mega City One. And you know, this story could have featured any judge, really. Um, you know, and it's more about sort of the Executioner and and uh, tracking her and stuff. And I thought that was very yeah, cool. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you need these uh different cuts because we get some funnier ones with the with the next one right yeah like, absolutely yeah yeah yeah. It, so. it, i i just like it because it mixes it up man absolutely like, it's, and it's between these massive arcs definitely yeah so next up uh ron smith is back with more of the top mega criminals planning the perfect crime this time heck stokely is planning on doing some jimping impersonating judges man he's got one heck of a perfect crime oh yeah judges are free run of the city buddy so pre- dressing up crooks like judges it's the perfect crime well i mean not at first when the gyms are spotted using splut guns instead of lawgivers to rob a bank and are instantly gunned down by a bunch of real judges not great all right listen that one that was just it was a small mistake listen we've got this time we've got like fake 
lawgivers and lawmasters. We've got this guy. So it's a heck of a yeah. hoot. It's all right. Everything's going good until they all get, until all the gyms get murdered by an anti-judge crazy after they heist a bullion truck. Drat the luck. That was just all bad right. luck, though. Yeah. Yeah. Like, listen, we got it this time. This time we're going to watch out for crazies. You, know, you can't plan for that. We're going to yeah. be okay. We've got this other heist going on. Everything's going to be a heck of a hoot. Finally, they attempt to rob a jewelry store, but this time the gyms get snagged by Dredd because Dredd needs backup for another bank robbery. <laughs> the uh, Dredd sends the, the, the quote-unquote judges into the fray. They're immediately all gunned down by the other bank robbers. And like, what's going on here? And Dredd's like, must be the season for it, I guess. <laughs> like, just a lot of gyms in this last couple weeks. Um, this eventually leads to the gym plan being called off, and the crooks decide that it's time to take down that Judge Dredd before any more perfect crimes can be discussed. And there's a weird close-up of a dude who I don't, I mean, I don't know if he was named or anything, but it's just, he is a slobbery dude. I think it's just a, you know, it's just Ron Smith just likes drawing, like, gross, ugly things. You know what I mean? <laughs> Fair. I mean, this is the man who invented Auto Sump. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, That's very true. He likes he likes this guck and muck. Yep. So next up, it's Christmas Eve in a Mega City 1 rad pit where a hey. monstrous form rises up and only oh. wants one thing flesh need fresh flesh it's the night of the rad beast <laughs> need presents i mean flesh it's not a very christmasy story <laughs> i mean it's kind it starts out christmasy i guess because later dread is flagged down by a citizen and two heavily irradiated bodies are found a pair of a uh, tap dancers or muggers basically uh, they were well because they they've called like muggers like tap gangs previously like tap seems to be the mc1 term for mugging basically so whatever <laughs> um these guys were killed by a heavily irradiated perp with enormous strength and then we get a cool download on yeah. uh, Bismo Klutz. Yeah, not much evidence is found beyond the wallet of Bismo Klutz, a, a potential, a probable big uh, tap victim. Infrared's picking up a radiation trail, and Dread follows it. As we learn about Klutz, he was born, born way back in 1971, yeah, dude. He's basically the same age as like a 2080 uh, reader, almost. <laughs> I mean, in, it's nuts because like his first implant was from 2027 and man that is not like super far away from right now yeah freak out um over the, over the last 140 uh, 134 years i should say he's lost most of his body he's had to replaced by cybernetics and stuff but they don't help him when the tap dancers grab him while he's bu buying christmas presents they take his money and toss him in a rad pit but his cybernetics are powerful enough to keep him alive afterwards Oh, it's real not great for his situation. No, he rises from the pit, kills his killers as they count his money, and then wanders into the city, just a barely functioning, like, mass of, like, robotics and burnt-off flesh. Uh, He's, he, like, looking for new flesh. He He's, needs, like, ripping off their flesh. Yeah, he needs new flesh to rebuild himself, and he'll find it in the city. Yeah, because when he tries to put the... You've, I mean, obviously, you know, he try, he's just, like, ripping, like, hunks of meat off dudes and, like, trying to press it onto him and be like, there's this replacement. No, it doesn't work right. More flesh! You know? Damn. 
God damn. Yeah, it's next time. It's real gross. Next time, the beast at bay. <laughs> he was born in New York City. Yeah, which is now like Mega City One. You know, it's the whole, th- you know, this guy has seen a lot of history. I mean, I guess anybody who's lived 134 years would have, but he's seen a lot of future history, which is the cooler kind of history. <laughs> Absolutely correct. <laughs> and hey, speaking of cool future history, Fox. Snap. Yeah. Non thrills, covers, nerve center, and pop culture robots. You know, while there are Zarjez prizes from Intellivision, mm-hmm. playing a Zarjez uh, gaming console, not so great with the dictators of Zrag. I mean, why would you even bring them over to play? <laughs> device? Yeah. In, uh, in 293, Tharg and the dictators of Zrag are playing Space Spartans on the Intellivision. Um, and you never can win one in this fun Eric Bradbury cover. Yeah, I, I never you played that one either. You know, all these all these early ones are, are a little bit be, be, before my time, to be honest. Um, we got a half-size Nerd Center this week as a 2000 AD stamp of Tharg welcomes us to the Prague. Yeah. Letters are from a stridently anti-smoking kid and another lists a massive amount of Tharg's titles from earlier Nerve Centers. Um, wow. And the ads on this page actually are fun because it's a lo- it's like a a, a section of collected 2008 books and then the dread board game. Hey, why um, not? Yeah, the Intellivision contest is to match up a bunch of heroes with villains of 2000 AD, or in this case, uh, Sam Slate with Hoagie, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and then explain why a certain 2000 AD thrill would make a good would make a good video game. Oh I ru- man, yeah. I can think of so many. Th- they give a list. Oh, the ones given. I actually think uh, Mean Arena would make a fun game. You know, I'd play like uh, Mean Arena uh, uh, 2017. You know, I don't know. You, you, you think about <laughs> it like, you know, like you part of the game is like you have to play the matches and stuff, but you also have to work in the murder you're going to do for that match. Well, that's like that's like the uh, the career mode. Like, you know, like now in like a sport in modern sports games, you kind of have like a, a thing where you where you play as one guy going through his career and you do with off screens uh, or, or off field stuff, too. So yeah. obviously that's the, re- the murder revenge part of me in arena. It all works. Dude, I think <laughs> that's such a great idea. <laughs> um, Mid Prague, there's a review by Rojas for Tron. He gives it a nine out of ten and compliments the special effects and stuff. You know, I never saw Tron as a kid, Fox, so it lacks a lot of nostalgia that I think most oh, people my age man. have for it. You know, I mean, I didn't see it until much later, and I'm like, all right. I mean, it's cool. Yeah, it's fine. I but, like you video know. games, so it's like it's kind of a a movie. I guess you should see if you like video games. Yeah. But, you know, it's also like it's all right. It's a good you know, movie. Relic of its time, buddy. Um, yeah, man. In 294, it's a tale of two cities as one story ends for Dread, another heats up for Slade, and a rare is Scara Gibson double cover. Oh, hell yes. In the nerve center, Tharg Vader lets us know that E.T. has nothing on M.T. Mighty Tharg. <laughs> <laughs> so great. There's a picture of Fantrad, Last of the Nebrans by David Thomas, and letters ask if Tharg profiting from Judge Dredd is illegal. Um, there's someone else who's jealous of Dredd's wife, which of course turned out to be Maria. Um, uh... and, a, and a kid gives reading times for all their comics with 2000 AD taking the longest, and also there's a request for a Steven Spielberg-directed Clint Eastwood starring Judge Dredd movie, and a mention that, that Blade Runner is a lot like a dirtier Mega City One. 
That's pretty... That, okay, so first off, that's true. Second off, to speedy reader, I mean, like, is this just the start of all games should be 60 hours? All comics should take 20 minutes? Come on. <laughs> I, like, don't, don't fucking time your comic books. Yeah. You just enjoy it or you don't. Totally. Yeah, yeah. mid-prog, there's a review for E.T., which Rojas gives a 9.5 out of 10. And there's also an ad for an E.T. Viewmaster underneath, which was very nostalgic for me. I love those oh, Viewmasters. Oh, man. I fucking <laughs> love Viewmasters. I fucking forgot they were called Viewmasters. I yeah. had so many for different movies. That thing was awesome. Yeah. My dad made me one of, like, pictures we had. Well, that's neat. Yeah. Uh, this prog ends with a Judge Dread pinup by Ron Smith using his trademark guns akimbo Dread style. You know, you know it's Ron Smith if Dread has two guns, one for each of you. Hey, why not? Yeah. In 295, a bunch of, uh, oh, sorry, a, a, a bunch of judges shoot Dread because there's jimps about in this Ron Smith cover. Uh, He's looking unfazed. Yeah. Tharg, the 20 pence piece, introduces a new feature as a sweet Remember George picture oh. by Mark Wade reminds us of happy days with the ABC Warriors. Man, George was so great. I love George. Super duper agree. Letters ask about a recent survey that didn't say 2000 AD was Kid's favorite comic. Instead, it was uh, the, the Beano. And others demand 2000 AD in the United States. Ask for the dictators of yes. drag and what toothpaste Dread uses. Um, uh, mid the paste? Yeah, some kind of synth of something, I'd imagine. Uh, mid Prague, there's a full page ad for Orb It, which is sort of a jewel based Rubik's Cube that I think is pretty cool. Um, it's cool looking. Yeah, then mid prog, and then also mid prog. There's the first edition of Action Video, the video game article. Oh hell yes! Got there's, some Pac-Man in there. Got mm -hmm. Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, there's reviews for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred or a VCS, as it was called in England, I believe, and the Intellivision, and a review of the Atari Empire Strikes Back game, as well as a mention of the forthcoming ET Atari game, which oh. will eventually thousands of copies of which will be buried in the Nevada desert. <laughs> so, so great! I I played that game. Oh man! Like I don't know because I, I I tell this story like fairly rarely, but I I was in a study group outside of like my school. Uh, that it's like a tutoring thing that my mother used to drop me off at this house. Uh huh. And uh, if if you finish your homework pretty quick, right? Uh, you then you can play, play the Atari. Because <laughs> exactly. so, she didn't have anything new, right? And so she had all yeah. this old stuff. One of the games she had was ET. That's crazy. And I didn't. If I had known as a small boy the price of this thing, are ETs? Uh, ex I didn't know e ETs were expensive. I just thought they were like sort of this just this milestone. I don't know, but yeah, I hear you. There's also a call for kids to send in their high scores on video games, so long as they're witnessed by a parent or a guardian. And I really think that's a really hilarious relic of like this sort of era, you know. Um, Nintendo Power used to have a picture like like that also, which was like the the Nintendo magazine. And I just love these kids like taking pictures of like their video game high scores and sending them in for recognition, you know. Love Nintendo Power. <laughs> um, this prog ends with a pinup of Art Robot Massimo Bellardinelli drawn by Ron Smith, and it's great. Uh, he's eating spaghetti, man. <laughs> he's eating spaghetti. He's drawing Ace Trucking. He's got an Ace Garp scarf that is also eating spaghetti. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> 
On his, he's got a bookshelf, and there, there's a book of the cartoons of Michelangelo with a suspiciously Bell Ardinelli-looking Michelangelo. <laughs> so I think it's, I just love that. Um, even in the picture of Bell Ardinelli, there is, in fact, also a, a hidden Bell Ardinelli cameo, which is so key. Um, <laughs> yeah. Prog 296, Merry Christmas, says Judge Dredd in this December 25th cover by Mick McMahon. Um, it's been a long time, actually, since we've seen Mick McMahon in the Prog. His last cover was, two, uh, was uh, 229 back in 81, and his last work in the Prog was that Super Bean story right at the start of this year. Don't worry, though. Uh, one nine, uh, 1983 is going to have a whole bunch of Mick McMahon doing that slain. Um <laughs> In the nerve center, Tharg the E.T. wishes us a happy holiday. <laughs> it's the coolest one. It's so it's so great. Sorry. <laughs> Beware the Christmas pud. Um, oh. Letters call out that Umber Hulk that I mentioned in episode 88. And Tharg plugs Slain as part of acknowledging that readers love that D&D. Oh, man advanced D&D, bro. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, basic D&D is like in the red box, and you you know only go to like level 10 or something. Um, yeah. Oh, God, I'm such a nerd. I love you so much. <laughs> Another reader has used Fergie the Barbarian as a name in a video game and gotten a good score, and another guy suggests uh, lifting stacks of old progs to get fit. Tharg mentions that for safety's sake, you should lift no more than 30 progs at a time. Um, <laughs> There's also a drawing of Johnny Alpha with some kind of dealy drug growing out of his helmet. Uh, Mid-prog, there's another action video page with reviews of the Philips, Philips Video Pack G7000 and the game's Cosmic Arc and Berserk, as well as an outline of some kind of video game club that seems like sort of an early game fly or something like that. This prog also has a, a two-page ad from soccer star Kevin Keegan doing a fundraiser yeah. for muscular di uh, uh, dystrophy, which is, a, of course, a worthy cause. And this prog ends with a lovely Kev O'Neill pinup of Torquemada wishing all humans a very pure Xmas. He's coming down your fireplace on fire yeah. with an axe. You and like a Santa coat. Yeah, <laughs> be pure. Listen, you gotta be pure, especially if you're human, because that's the only person he gives uh, that uh, T Torquemada gives presents to, alright? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, but speaking of non-humans, Fox. Oh, <laughs> God. It's thrill for ace trucking. Man, this uh, this these next two parts are sure a crock of shit. I don't know. Get out I of here, no buddy. Crocodile <laughs> uh, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner as Grant Grover. Art robot Massimo Bellardinelli. Letting robot Steve Potter. So. Ace and the gang have found Gator McGee's treasure, but he's pulled a gun on him. Oh it, man, what a two-time and stack babber. Yeah, no good Gator Man. Turns out he wasn't innocent, and he just sings his sad song to all of his cellmates in the hope that they'll spring him for the treasure, and Ace was the, finally the one dumb enough to fall for it. 
Man, that's a real long game. <laughs> Super long game. He's been there, he was in jail for 30 years. That's um, pretty true. But up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's the space cops. Oh, man. Thank God for Fuzz for the first time, right, yeah. boys? Ace tries to spin a tail about being kidnapped by Gator and forced to dig up the treasure, but neither the cops or the judges are buying it. <laughs> well, I mean, he's got the capsule in his like thing. He's got the yellow paint on his stuff. It's yeah. Like, Come on, man. It's pretty open and shut. Um, Ace, Gator, GBH, Feek, and the Pig Rat are all found guilty! Uh, not Gator- great for his friends who have always just sort of been, I mean, yeah. I guess they're not stopping him, but also, you know. It's th- it's definitely not their plans that are being carried out, but yeah. Gator gets life in solitary, Ace, Ace gets 30 years, and the rest oh. of the crew gets 10. It's real rough. Even GVH's hair wilts at hearing the sentence. Definite no hee-hee! Yeah. Well, I guess Gator's going back into his solitary sphere. Yeah, Gator basically instantly goes bad from isolation syndrome, the abadabu, and man, the rest of the crew is real pissed about this turn of events. Man, it's not great. Yeah, Iris out on Ace about to get beat up. The end of Ace trucking! Really? Um, well, the final narration box tells us to look out for Skiz, which I'll mention won't uh, arrive until Prague 308 in March of, of 1983. Ace Trucking, however, will return in August of 1984. Oh, wow. That's a long hiatus. Yeah. Be- uh, Bellardinelli is going to switch over and he's going to do Slain stuff as well in the coming year. Okay, cool. Um, it's going to be Give him a break from the from this for a bit yeah time for less sci-fi more sword sorcery it's gonna be a real good you're getting me excited you know i like me some swords and also sorceling buddy you're gonna like slain then speaking of things that we might just be digging it's thrill five rogue trooper like your I like your business. <laughs> Script robot Jerry Finley Day, art robot Cam Kennedy, lettering robot Bill Nuttall. So let's get some more backstory of Fort Neuro here, Fox. Yeah, man, um, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, in the early days, the different sectors were not only cut off from Souther Command, but also from each other, so they used robe runners to send messages to each other. But as the story, yeah, as the siege wore on, and uh, DG and DGD or don't give a damn syndrome set in, the oh. robots, the the uh, robes messages were used were sent less and less as everybody just started playing more video games and stuff. Um, <laughs> these days, they're almost completely extinct. We see a pair being used for dueling in the Frank sector. Uh, not cool, man. Nope. Robe, uh, a rogue asks the robe runner, the robe runner, robe, Rob S. Pierre. Oh my God. A lot of RO yeah. sounds in there. Uh, <laughs> but he asks Rob S. Pierre if he can take rogue to other sent to other sectors of the fort. And Rob agrees. But first rogue has to be the guest shot. of honor. What? Better than getting shot. Totally. But first rogue has to be the guest of honor at a grand ball where he'll receive the Legion d'honneur. Or the, uh, you know, it should be the Legion d'honneur. But, you know, we're, we're French guys. We're, we're, Amer- we're English guys speaking in French accent, so it sounds a little different. Um, <laughs> yeah, he'll have to leave in secret. So get ready, Rob. 
I love that he's staying in the verse size. <laughs> Everything's so, like, really just trying to be, like, terrible French accent stuff. It's real good. Um, it's really good. Rogue heads out to the ball, uh, hangs out before the ball, drinking a cognac with a Y, and uh, watching the movie Beau Jest, uh, based <laughs> on the French foreign legion movie Beau Jest. <laughs> Gunner's really loving the movie. Um, all the Franks are headed to the ball, but Rogue looks out and sees that the Norts have fired some seal burster missiles. Oh, God, that's not good. They'll kill everyone at the ball. Rogue and Gunner shoot down most of the missiles, but some get through. Rogue runs down to try to help the people, but it turns out that they're all suited up because it was a masked ball. And then everybody starts doing that thing where everybody starts laughing and it's like, whoa, these dudes are crazy. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rogue gets his medal and then heads back to his hotel room. Um, the movie where they do that whole um, like place empty guns on the battlement to fake your numbers trick gives him an idea. And Rogue leaves Gunner behind to take a break from the action while Rogue, Helm, and Bagman head out with Rob S. Pierre to visit the sector of the Lime of the Limmies. <laughs> uh, Gunner needs a break. I think we can all agree with that. But man, leaving your gun behind seems a little foolhardy. That's my that's all I'm saying. I mean, at least he's got a backpack that can throw grenades and maybe a knife. But that, yeah, that true. gun seems to be like real good in a lot of situations. Like you, it's you're, it's yeah. got a razor blade for a strap. It's true. Uh, so we once more go back to the history of Fortress Neuropa, uh, where a hole was blasted in part of the shield wall, and only the bravery of the Limmies was able to hold off the advance until the wall layer before the uh, before the wall builders could arrive. It's it, it's Limmy. It's obviously supposed to be Limey. Um, you know, I'm trying to pronounce it as it's written, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, Rogue want. Rogue wonders what madness has spread to the Limeys as he and Robespierre make their way through the waste of ultra-thick chem clouds and wreckage of old tanks and robots between sectors when suddenly they're attacked by a Nord robot! Oh man, it's real big, it's got weird eyes. Not great. It, yeah, it attacks Rob and Bagman's explosives would be too powerful to be too used against it. Instead, Rogue grabs an old battle standard and trips the bot yeah. into a pool of acid. So great. Yeah. Uh, so they're safe, but Rogue worries about what the Limeys will be. Could they be samurai dudes or like knight dudes? <laughs> um, Rogue crests the line and enters Limey territory and finds them... Like, dressed for summer camp, I guess? Hi-ho! They're wearing these coats that have clearly some connotation for Brits, but I don't mean that much to me, I must admit. Yeah, I don't know what's going on <laughs> Like, they got, like, like... Hats. Yeah, they're all wearing coats that have, like, a monogram on them and stuff. They say they're red coats, which obviously is what they called the British troops, like, during, like, the, the Revolutionary War and stuff. But in this case, their red coats seem to be more, like, sort of a uniform for a, a holiday camp, I guess. Yeah, one of them's got like a little spinny hand party crank thing going on. Yeah. It's, it's Everybody's weird. partying in the in in the, in the limey section. People are going to shows, they're getting chalk ices, all that kind of stuff. Um they've chalk given Hey, can't complain. They've given up on technology basically. They're using like microprocessors as money to buy candy. 
Um, oh, God. The head of the camp, a guy who's like bald with an organ and a giant bow tie, tries to interest Rogue in local activities, but of course Rogue is interested in fighting, so he's directed to the specialized, the guys who still fight and battle under a mailed fist and a flag reading who tears wins, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, like the British commandos had the motto, who dares wins. Um, and so who tears wins is good for New Earth because if you, because you win if you tear your opponent's suits, basically. Pretty great. Uh, yeah, I thought it was good. Uh, Rogue agrees to come along with them on a morning raid into a Nort encampment, but is dismayed when they all show up in like fox hunting gear, complete with trumpets. So bizarre like this it, whole thing is weird it's pretty weird i love it uh still at least they're actively fighting rogue heads out with them hoping they fight as well as they dress next time i wish i was in dixie hooray hooray exactly but yeah, man, I'm loving this Fort Nero story. All these weird ass uh, sectors that are full of like you know random jokes about different like European guys and stuff is pretty funny. Um, I, I've kind of been waiting for Rogue Trooper to get here without knowing that I've been waiting for that. Yeah, <laughs> I you know I mean so much for of uh, I I know especially your early problems with Rogue Trooper was that it was so serious that having this kind of silly storyline seems like exactly what. You know, is exactly what the bill had called for, you know? Yeah, it's, and like, so, it, serious is fine. It's just like, intersperse it with, with some like character growth or something like that, which he eventually mm-hmm. got. Like, I, yeah. I liked that we came to a close, for instance, with his long running storyline, kind of. Or at least uh, they, yeah, we managed to meet the Trader General and move that to like the next level and stuff. Exactly. Like, you don't have to go full weird. This is like believable in-universe. It's got like, um, I mean, the, they're behind a massive wall of super cannons and shit. Like, it's great. Yeah. I, I love the way this whole thing works out. Anyway, like. It's real, real fun. Stuff. Yeah. And speaking of a, of a jerky Englishman, Fox. Thrill 6 Thorg's Time Twisters can you explain to me what's going on here? Yes. What this is? I got you. Um, so, but, but first of all, so, you know, Time Twisters, they're a new kind of one-off story that, that we'll be seeing, uh, it, this sort of along with Future Shocks and Robo, and, and Robo Tales are sort of the big three of, um, these kinds of stories, I'd say. Um, we're, you know, we're gonna have a bunch going forward. Um, Alan Moore does a lot of really awesome time twisters coming up, um, in, in, in the new year. Um, but for right now, actually, we're, we're taking a break from having a lot of Alan Moore stuff because I think he's mostly sort of gearing up for skiz and stuff. Um, so we have three time twist or we have two time twisters and one one off story this, this month. First off, there's a William the Conqueror with a K. Um, script robot Alan Grant as Stavros, art robot Eric Bradbury, letting robot Tom Skimiski or Skimiski, Skimiski, blah, blah, Um, so this one's about a bully named Robbie who is a big jerk about conquers. And here's the deal with conquers, Fox. Okie doke. Apparently, and this is just what I read on the internet, you get uh, hazelnuts. Okay. And you drill a hole through them, and then you kind of thread a, uh, a rope and tie it off on the bottom, basically. And right. so the the uh, the pl- and so the thing is that you sort of one person sort of dangles their hazelnut down, and then the other person whaps it with theirs, and you take turns until someone's hazelnut is broken. 
and okay. and they win basically. So it's just sort of a fun thing. I don't know if you're in a hazelnut rich area, basically, <laughs> which is what <laughs> I am. No, which is what I I imagined England to be if just because like that's what where where I first heard of, heard of Nutella and stuff like that. <laughs> hazelnuts. Yeah. See. Exactly. Enough that you can build games around having a crapload of hazelnuts, basically. Hey, why <laughs> um, not? Yeah. So there's this bully who's a big jerk about it. Basically, he's got like a giant, like, screw you hazelnut and he's beaten and he's destroyed the hazelnuts of, um, 999 other kids, including this one kid who we see right as the story starts. He calls himself Robbie the Conqueror, bully 999. So I guess that's how many children he's destroyed the nuts of? That's what it seems like. Yes. Um, some, so some time aliens. Or, you know, this kid's a jerk, and he's just sort of in a big school district, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, and, and presumably some kids have several have several hazelnuts, so they've he's gone through several of, you know, he's beaten several kids a couple times. That'd be my I guess. Know. Yeah. So some time aliens are intrigued by this, and they pull him into the far future, where, human, where humanity has basically evolved into giant brain monsters. Real <laughs> weird. Real weird. Yeah. They get people from all over history to fight it out for their amusement. So, Robbie the Conqueror, with a K, is up against William the Conqueror, with a Q. And, man, Bagsy first swipe? Yeah, ba- yeah. he uh, he he claims first swipe. Uh, Bagsy's is British for dibs. <laughs> Just oh, so you know. Uh, yeah. Okay, now I'm... <laughs> Okay. So he basically said dibs on first, on first strike, or you on do first swing. You not want a man with the fucking morning start. He's got a mace, yeah? So the uh, the bully has been beaten, and let this be a lesson to you, says Tharg. If you're a bully, cool it. <laughs> I feel like, I and this is maybe my American slang coming through, Yeah, definitely would not reach an audience by saying cool it, man. <laughs> like, I like, think it's... I think it's designed to be kind of funny. I don't think this is a serious anti-bully stance beyond sort of general lip service to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, I think it's I, I think it does manage to be funny, and I do think it's really funny that this kid with like a hazelnut ends up being faced against a like uh, you know a Norman invader with a mace. You know. <laughs> And he immediately knows the less knows the terminology of um twentieth century bullying, you know. <laughs> Once again, a child gets iced in the pages of two thousand eighty. Man, this is a bully kid. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, like a sassy kid, also on a time train, you know. Yeah, no, that that was different. I agree. Anyhow. <laughs> 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 the next story is uh, Ultimate Video, script robot Roy Priston, art robot Jose Casanovas, letting robot Jack Potter. This. this one's, you know, it's like, so, okay. There's I a few. Yeah, there's a. Get, like, lead up. There's a future executive and his cat, and they're looking for a new video, for a hip new video player. He has some inventors come through with videos that sing, that tap dance, that do the dishes while making holographic clones of TV personalities. He says no to all of them. Finally, a young assistant shows his design, a holographic projector that can take you back to when what is being filmed was actually being filmed. So, like, if you go to, if you watch a documentary, it'll take you back to where the documentary footage is, basically. Never uh, smart. 
Yeah, you know, all this stuff never ends well. The executive, though, immediately sees a source of revenue in this and sets up a pattern. He goes someplace where rich people are in peril, offers to save them for whatever they have, for whatever money they have on them, and then time travels away laughing. <laughs> and, in fact, leaves the aid yeah. who brought him the thing in one of these situations. Definitely. I would say this is not the uh, most ambitious use of time travel, but who am I to judge? <laughs> yeah, he he leaves the assistants to die right away, makes a few more heists, pausing only to score the winning goal at the 1988 Euro Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Soon he tires of money, though. He tires of money as he goes to a fishing boat disaster and offers to save whoever wins in a giant all-out fist fight. Oh, God. Suddenly, though, the remote control he's been using falls into a net full of fish, and then it disappears back into the future because uh, the executive, the executive's cat from the start of the story, has a sort of used the but has sort of walked across the buttons of the time control thing and warped a giant net full of fish back to him in the future, leaving the executive behind to die in the boat um, when the boat sinks. Hey, man, he's up a ton of fish. I also want to say, because I, I didn't say it at the top, man, oh, man, it's Casanova's drawing. And God, I love this art style. There's so much detail in it. Like, it's really amazing. But yeah, man, all your time travel uh, things undone by a giant boatload of fish. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> and as somebody who owns a cat, I can only assume always that they are constantly trying to kill you and if even a cat can operate it i mean what else can man you a, a cat will strand you to die in the past for a fish let alone a whole bunch of them <laughs> 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 the final one off this month is homer the barbarian script about alan Ro uh, alan grant Stavros again art about massimo bella Dinelli, like robot uh peter knight i really like this story um bella Dinelli drawn some ripped barbarian dude. oh yeah so this is a, like plus. yeah this is a cool fantasy story it's told in the first person there's a skinny dude running a uh, sword in the stone scheme basically 10 groats gets you a pull on the sword and if you pull it out it'll make you invulnerable to in invulnerable in combat and lead you to riches and that's a lot of groats yeah but nobody can do it until homer the barbarian shows up what up guys i'm gonna do this and like I, what is it that they said? He says, uh, in silent combat, flesh and bone pitted against sorcery and stone. <laughs> He's super strong. He pulls forth the sword, which destroys the stone. He kills everybody in the area except for the skinny guy and demands to know how the sword leads to riches. And it turns out to be pretty easy. Um, you toss a sword in the air and oh. where it lands, and where it lands, the blade will point you towards riches. I feel like, you know, obviously don't do that. Homeward gives it a shot. He uh, walks a little bit away, tosses the sword in the air, but it catches the wind and flies straight down at him, hitting him in the back, killing him. And then some really weird shit starts yeah. to happen. Well, at this point, we learn who's actually narrating this story. The sword itself! It's got a skeleton hilt that is actually an animate skeleton. Um, it grabs Homer's money and then heads back home on two tiny legs that grow out from the blade. Now he's got to find a huge rock. It's hard out there for a magic skull sword. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> so bizarre. Like, just not expecting 
this to be where the shit went. <laughs> it's such a it's such a ridiculous out of nowhere twist that it's it's pretty hilarious. And if you go back to the start, like that skull, um, that, that like skeleton yeah. hilt is there on the sword from the start. You know, I it's weird. It, like because usually the names of these one offs have something to do with the twist. No, so not this time. Nothing to do with it. Yeah. I, just, I didn't. I didn't expect it. I love that. I love it so much. Yeah, it's a real good twist, and I just love any time when, um, when a, a story turns out to be na- like when you think it's being narrated by one person, but it's actually being narrated by someone else. Like, uh, what was that Denzel Washington movie, Fallen? Right? H- has oh, that? I've never seen it. Oh, you should see that. It's good. It's got. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's kind of a psychological like demon thriller, movie. but I thought it was real good. Demon thriller. Yeah. It's about oh my. it's about this yeah. uh it's about this demon that gets like transmitted by touch from different people and stuff like that and like oh. you know Denzel Washington's hunting it down and stuff. There's a really cool like it's got John Goodman being real evil, which is low key a really uh, good talent that John Goodman has that um is yes. not used all that often. Yeah, oh. man, check it out. Highly recommended. I've, I've seen him as bad guys in so in, well so few things, but so many things where he's a bad guy or good. Yeah. Oh no. man, you like yeah. Fall and check it out. It's a good, right. good sort of mid nineties uh, demon thriller. Anyhow, man. <laughs> with that uh, diversion though, Fox, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> we've finished the thrills for December nineteen eighty two. Oh my gosh, it's the end of the year. Oh man, and what a happy Christmas in the time it is now. I think it's going to be April when we finish this one up. <laughs> oh my god. But uh, yeah, so the question remains what were your top and bottom thrills for this month? Dude. Uh, this is a tough one, right? Yes. It's getting tough. <laughs> here's, here's the deal. This, what I love in a uh, in a in like a, a month that we do mm-hmm. is that if I if I'm like if I finish it, like it's a real page turner, mm-hmm. like it's it's very exciting for me and also very melancholic because <laughs> it means all of it was like super great. So like here's the thing, yeah, Robo Hunter and uh, Harry and the High Rock, which are in the top two spots, like just of you reading these, they haven't, <laughs> they didn't move this entire month, like are the best to me. Mm-hmm. Like I fucking love these two, and it's really hard to choose. Um, but I, like, I'm gonna say Harry and the High Rock. I'm really loving it. It's like this, it's a new story that I could immediately get into. It was, like, nice and suspenseful, as you mentioned. Yeah. There's, like, there's the twist with Red that's gonna build up. Like, mm-hmm. it, I still don't know what's gonna happen. They've already shown that, hey, fuck you, man. We're already thinking ten steps ahead anyway. It's gonna be real good. But special mention to Robo Hunter Sam Slade. That was I, I didn't know if I was gonna like the whole singing Britsit thing. It was funny. I liked that Slade eventually cracked. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> it's just real great. Um for bottom, I mean fuck man, I don't know. None of them? Like <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, like I, I, I so I just like to caveat that that I don't wanna say any of them. And I'm not going to say Ace Trucking, which honestly I feel like ended poorly. I, I will give it some downvote for that, just because I I didn't expect them. I I expected them to end this in jail or in some other thing with a nice cliffhanger <laughs> next time, because uh, that feels like the only fitting place for them to be. Yeah. But like it felt like the caper was so like uh, whatever you know, like good. Yeah. They could have gone to jail for 
duping all those religious fanatics or some shit. <laughs> I would have been fine with that. But uh, bottom, I mean, fuck. I don't know. It can't be dread. That was good. And it can't be Rogue Trooper. Like, that was good. <laughs> so I guess everything that isn't the two that I mentioned. <laughs> so, like, I, like time twisters, maybe. Or something uh, like that. Yeah. But even those were pretty good. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, alright. So, so I will put a big fucking asterisk next to this. I will say time twisters, but only because they are not the continuous series that I love and they haven't proven themselves yet, but damn, if that's not a great showing. Oh, yeah, there's some really fun good. ones for sure. And anytime I get to see Casanova's doing his, his wonderful, beautiful art style, it's great. I hated them. Definitely. That's why they're on the bottom, right? Anyway, Conrad, <laughs> how about your top and bottom? Cause this was rough for me, man. I agree that, um, this is a real good month, man. There's a lot of real fun stuff in here. Um, I'm going to say robo hunter. I really liked it. Um, we're really getting this song stuff and just like, it's get for me, it's just earning points for like degree of difficulty, right. <laughs> in terms of like, like, like there's like, you know, uh, one way or another, like every strip has like two original songs in it, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that's, there's just a lot going on with that, you know, um, hard to write but songs. everything else is so good um i guess you know i mean if i had to give a bottom i'd say rogue trooper again i love this rogue trooper story though and it's one of these things where like it's just getting like a b plus and everything else is getting a's or something like that you know like i don't really want to count time twisters just because i usually don't like to count these one-off stories yeah. in comparison to the, to the rest of the stuff um I, and i definitely don't want to count ace trucking because there's just one episode of it although i agree that this was sort of a a hurried finish um that's just sort of based on timing and stuff like that and i mean i know that's not the end of ace trucking the very end of ace trucking so it's not so it's a little bit less of a final end so it doesn't have to be sort of as in-depth and stuff like that although i'm definitely gonna miss it in the next year in, in the next couple year or in, in, in the next year or two um as we get other stuff but you know i'm also looking forward to it to come back but yeah so yeah, i'm gonna say yeah. rogue on the bottom uh, Robo Hunter on the top, but this is just a real, a real good year. This is just, you know, we're just, we're at the dawn of this, like, you know, I feel like we've been, I sort of count the start of 2080's golden age right around when Judge Death shows up in early, like, 1980. But honestly, at this point, we're, like, in the golden, golden age. Like, this is where we're, we're like, we're, we have times where there just are no bad thrills. Like, there's no, like, I'll qualifier for it or anything like that, you know? I don't want to have that's a lot of responsibility it really is you know i'm sure we're, we're, we're gonna get in trouble with bottom picks even when we're doing like you know like listen like you know everybody's in the dean's list it's just like we gotta like figure out <laughs> there's just some daylight between some of these ones sometimes you know <laughs> yeah i you know uh i will i will say this much i haven't i haven't seen too many people get nitpicky on our stuff like actually, like what I when I read the 2080 forms, you guys have some really gentlemanly conversations. You know, I try not to uh, throw too many bombs. You know, I want everybody to have fun, man. We're here, we're doing this to have fun. This isn't one of those podcasts where everybody's angry and yells at each other. You know, but we definitely hate everything we put on the bottom. I mean, so, oh yeah, of course, one hundred percent. It's but like like you know, vitriol. Anyhow. 
<laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and our podcast site at Craddleline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner 2000 at gmail.com or on the 2080 forums, our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. On Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K. Everything else, just look up Space Spinner 2000. You'll find us, buddy. Um, come back next time as we've once again reached the end of a year. And it's time for the 1982 year in review show, The Spinnies. Oh, man. Get on your golden tuxedos. We're going for a wild ride when we talk about some stuff we'll be like. Always and forever. We'll be giving out awards for top art, top writing, overall thrills, as well as the best month of 1982 and best overall year. Um, and as always, if you're an actual 2080 creator, listen, uh, listen for your name and claim a coveted golden frisbee. Otherwise, tune in and see if our picks are the same as yours. It'll be a ton of fun. Oh man, compare notes. It'll be great. Yeah. Until then, I'm Connor at Ace Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Spun Dick Rick. Rick. Rick.